0: Have you watched enough football yet? <laughs> it feels like the morning after like football when football is in its like zenith um annually the the days after the playoffs and the Super Bowl both feel like they should be holidays. Have you heard that, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm always talking about your generation right not wanting
1: to work not wanting to work Mm -hmm. and
0: how you want you know uh cushy cushy everything and i'm the one who's saying that and i didn't even watch the detroit lions uh 49ers game Mm -hmm. and by the way welcome to the jennifer and wendy show uh it is nine minutes past ten on this monday january 29th happy monday to you on behalf of jennifer blome uh who is out today and I will give you three words of explanation: mandolin slicer, thumb, and because, oh. yeah, and because of HIPAA guidelines, and I mean, not that we really usually observe those things around right. here, but uh, um, she will have to she'll have to give you the the gory details. But it did remind me. Ho- hopefully, she'll be back tomorrow. If she's not, uh, whenever she returns, we will talk to her about that. It reminded me of all of the things, and we don't know that this is what happened, but all of the things that do happen to us when we are sleeping with our eyes open, you know when you're when your brain just shuts off for like a nanosecond right. when right? you're
1: just on autopilot
0: when you're on autopilot exactly um, and it reminded me that the first and only stitches I ever had, in 60 almost 63 years it was a couple of years ago and i was clearly on autopilot i was slicing an avocado That's mm-hmm. pretty sure. easy to do i was doing it with a chicago cutlery steak knife not really realizing <laughs> even though i'd be using them I, even though i had been using them for a long time didn't occur didn't occur to me until that moment just how sharp those little suckers are. So I put the avocado in the palm of my hand Oh, to remove the pit. You follow Sh- me so sure, far? Does sure. this is sound like a member of Mensa to you? Yeah,
1: this is, uh, this right? is a- as one does with an avocado. Well,
0: sure. Right. So, I mean, why would I, why would I put it on a plate? Mm-hmm. Why would I put it on a, or the counter. a cutting board or the counter that was yeah right there in front of me? Kept it in the palm of my hand, took the tip of the steak knife, mm. jammed it in to the pit because I had done that before. I was on borrowed time, I guess. Sure. And sort of flung the pit out of the avocado, but the fly in the ointment was that the tip of the steak knife didn't stay in the pit. It hit my finger. And so, baby's first stitches, like I had three stitches, so um, yeah. I like that
1: you took the pit out. You were holding the knife like Michael Myers. I mean, what down going tip down? I mean, right. that is
0: how dumb. I mean, normally seriously. you go,
1: you know, you go into the blade, right? And then right. You just lift, pop yeah. it out.
0: Should I be allowed to have a driver's license? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's up yeah. to the state of Missouri. Uh, that is Connor McCarthy. I am Wendy Weiss. We are so happy to have you with us today. We're going to set the table because Professor Greg Willard is going to join us momentarily. And uh, many of you realized because you were listening to KTRS or because you were getting bulletins or alerts on your phone that President Trump was ordered to pay $83 million to E. Jean Carroll uh, late Friday. So that was kind of uh, interesting timing. Uh, Professor Willard will join us, as I said momentarily, just to, to unpack that for us. Um, and then we'll be visiting with Jay O'Brien about what is going on at the border. Uh, he is with ABC News. In the next hour, we're going to talk about the, the Super Bowl. And um, Connor made a point a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was last week, they all run together when you're talking about so much football, that dynasties are boring and... I kind of had a minute last night where I thought Connor's Connor's right, mm. even even though I'm thrilled that it, if that it's the Chiefs. If you have to have a dynasty, I'm thrilled that it's the Chiefs. I know a lot mm. of people aren't. We still hold grudges. I'm gonna have
1: to disagree.
0: Okay, and I get that. A four one two six. That is the Royal Banks of Missouri text line. That is your microphone. Uh, we're gonna be asking you a lot of questions today because uh, when we haven't been together for a weekend. There's a lot of material to cover. Number one, I was going to text you on Saturday to tell you that we saw Oppenheimer and... Oh, what did you think? And didn't care for it.
1: Oh, wow.
0: But that was that was just, that was nothing but a ruse to elicit a response from you. It was one of the best movies okay. I've ever seen. It was one of All the right. best movies I've ever ever seen. And I did think when it was released, I thought... I thought a three hour movie about the atomic bomb. It just, you know what I mean? When you green light a movie. Well, there's a
1: lot of movies that are three hours now.
0: That's true, but it's, this is about the atomic bomb. And and if only Christopher Nolan, I think, probably could have could So have, three
1: hours of a boat sinking is. That's good, totally different because, because you have two young people who are madly in love. Okay. Totally, totally well, you different. We kind of have that in Oppenheimer a little bit.
0: Uh, can you explain? <laughs> really. uh, yeah, I'm lost. I don't remember that. But he's in a
1: relationship, right? He's, he's in a couple. Apparently. Yeah, he's in more than one. Yeah. Um, but
0: uh, Killian Murphy is, is that how I pronounce I think his it's name? Is it Cillian? Is it Cillian? Yeah. Okay, because I know that you are Gaelic. I don't our know for sure now. Now, Gaelic.
1: now I'm feeling doubt. You're now now I doubt myself here.
0: No, don't doubt yourself. It's just if you have any hesitation and because you haven't seen it and you're thinking, oh, a three hour movie about the atomic bomb. Um, Please see it. It is. It's really an important movie, and and not important. I don't mean it's very important, as in deeply intellectual. That's not it. It's just just in terms of humankind and the culture that uh, we have lived in since this energy was harnessed and used the way it was what happened to to oppenheimer as a result of his participation and his brilliance um it's it's just it is amazing um the first thing though that i want to ask you about connor was it also sort of did it were you just reeling by the fact that they had they had all of this material that was that was originally the source of the material were some of the most brilliant people, you Mm -hmm. know, in the country. Right. For them to memorize those lines and then repeat those lines on camera, did that occur to you? Because we were sitting there thinking, how did they do that? You know, because I felt like I was watching a movie in uh, Swahili. Like I, Mm. I, I almost didn't even realize what i was watching because some of the dialogue was so over my head i've never felt as stupid <laughs> as i did but and you still I, liked
1: it even though oh i loved it even i loved it i you, loved you it you couldn't understand the, the the story
0: is so important the mm-hmm. story is so important i was a little lost about you know what was real and then what was kind of like a dream Sure. occasionally well it's
1: chris Nolan, so you know it's right, gonna, you never know. it's not just going to be a straightforward right
0: but oh my gosh it is so good would love to hear what you have to say about oppenheimer i'm not sure how you put a movie and i haven't seen barbie i have not seen barbie but do Oppenheimer and Barbie belong in the same category? I guess they no, no. Okay, Zach no. is shaking his head no. furiously. He over no, the other, yeah. they do not.
1: No, they don't. I mean, they were released yeah. on the same weekend. There was the whole
0: right, promotional
1: thing. But as a movie, no, they're not. They're not close.
0: And i i I didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand uh, like anything about Oppenheimer or his wife. Of course, we were doing a deep dive the rest of the weekend about that. But um, Emily Blunt's performance was not to sound like just a gushing fangirl, but that was hardly even Emily Blunt. That's how good she was, in my opinion.
1: Well, I thought the whole movie just had a good performance after All good around. performance. You All know. and after it would show up for one scene, but they were exactly. incredible. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It is so worthwhile. Would love to know what you think. Again, Royal Banks of Missouri text line. that is your. I'm sorry, I still sound like Peter Brady. I'm still sort of sounding that like froggy, but mm. I'm. No, I think you I'm sound. Getting,
1: I think it's. I think you sound normal. Getting
0: now. a little bit better, and then in some at some time today, at some point in our, in our two hours in our brief two hours, we're going to have to talk about sickness because um, Connor is afraid that he has entered the uh, the germ. Rabbit hole here at the big five hundred and fifty. Well, it because, feels like
1: everyone around me is sick all the time,
0: and everyone around you yeah. usually is yeah, usually sick yeah, most of the time. So, well, and and you know, why does it take so long uh, to get over these these bugs these days? And what do you do? I was just telling McGraw that if he hasn't, because he's still got the crud, and I was just recommending that he use this particular product. Um, to see if it does any good. So, a lot of us are experimenting because we just want to get rid of this stuff and feel good again. Anyway, the uh, phone number is 314 931 5877 if you want to chime in that way. Dr. Greg Willard is on deck. Don't go away and send your comments to that Royal Banks of Missouri text line. 84126, The Jennifer and Wendy Show. Connor McCarthy in for Jennifer. We'll be right back. I say when you have your own theme music on the Big 550, you are a very cherished contributor, and such is the case with Professor Greg Willard of St. Louis University's Law School, our KTRS legal analyst. And uh, we sent out the bat signal on Friday afternoon. Were you surprised? First of all, good morning.
2: Good morning, Wendy, to you and Connor.
0: Were you surprised by the timing? Uh, because anything anything that is announced on Friday afternoon is always kind of interesting.
2: No, I wasn't. I think in this instance, the the Friday result, Wendy, was sheer ha- happenstance. The parties concluded their closing arguments to the jury uh, earlier in the week, and the jury began deliberating Friday morning. Uh, <clears throat> fortunately, um, for the plaintiff in this case, Ms. Carroll, it was a pretty uh, pretty quick process that the jury went through. And in about three and a half hours, they reached uh, their decision and, and issued their verdict uh, Friday afternoon.
0: E. Jean Carroll uh, told ABC News this morning that she plans on using the $83 million on, quote, something Donald Trump Hates, end quote. So no surprise, no, <laughs> su- no surprise there. But uh, let's start at the beginning. What was the basis of her legal claims against the former president?
2: Yeah. Let's uh, set the framework because um, it's confusing to many. Hopefully at the end of this discussion, it will not be confusing to our listeners. In 2019, Ms. Carroll alleged that she was sexually assaulted in the early 1990s by Mr. Trump. Uh, He suddenly made some quite derogatory uh, allegations against her. She then filed a lawsuit uh, in November of 2019 for what is called defamation. Uh, Subsequent to that, Mr. Trump kept on keeping on in making derogatory statements about her. So in 2022, uh, she sued him again for defamation, and she added a count under the new New York Adult Survivors Act. She had added a count relating to sexual assault. So at that point, there were two lawsuits. The second lawsuit went to trial first. And in May of 2023, the jury ruled in favor of Ms. Carroll and awarded her $5 million in damages against Mr. Trump. The first lawsuit then went to trial last month the first lawsuit for defamation and that is that first lawsuit that oddly was tried secondly but the first lawsuit was what the jury considered last week after all of the evidence was presented and that jury handed up a verdict and a judgment against Mr. Trump for 83.3 million dollars so, as between the two suits, Wendy, the the aggregate two judgments against him are eighty-eight million dollars. The first five million-dollar judgment is already on appeal, and as sure as we are on the air this morning, uh, the the jury verdict that was entered on Friday, it will be appealed by Mr. Trump very quickly, Wendy.
0: KTRS legal analyst Professor Greg Willard of St. Louis University's Law School is our guest. We're talking about the judgment against Donald Trump on behalf of E Jean Carroll, 83 million dollars, you know, depending on where your loyalty lies, Greg. It seems like a lot of money. How does a jury determine the amount? And do you even think it's excessive?
2: Well, uh, t- two good questions there. Let me let me break them apart. <clears throat> the the first is uh it's critically important for our listeners to understand this. The 83.3 million dollars is not what the jury felt Ms. Carroll was damaged or harmed. What the 83.3 million is It's an aggregate of two components. What the jury decided and and entered judgment on the harm to her of Mr. Trump's series of defamatory statements—that she was damaged in the amount of eighteen point three million dollars. Those were her what we call compensatory damages. But she also asked for what are called punitive damages. Punitive damages, Wendy, they they happen all the time. There are thousands of punitive damage cases that are being heard this morning across America. Punitive damages are those situations where the person who is found to have committed the wrong, a jury additionally finds that they did it on purpose. They did it intentionally. They did it with malice. This jury concluded that is what Mr. Trump did. What punitive damages are designed to do are a couple of things. One, to prevent and deter the person from doing it again. And number two, to send a message to everyone in that state that this type of conduct, in this instance, will not be permitted in New York. And so it's a deterrent effect as to the broader body politic. So you combine those compensatory damages and punitive damages, and you get $83.3 million. As to whether I think that's high, on the punitive damages, I most assuredly do not think it is high. Part of the calculation of punitive damages is the uh, wealth of the defendant, and $65 million, by all accounts of Mr. Trump, is a drop in the bucket to his purported wealth. Uh, as to the compensatory damages, I'm always reluctant, and I think it's a good rule of thumb Wendy, it's – I'm always reluctant to second-guess a jury on how much – a victim was harmed. What, what was the dollar amount of the compensatory damages? Eighteen point three million dollars. Yep, that's a lot of money. Eighteen thousand three hundred dollars, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> is a lot of money. But um, I I think it's a, a good rule of thumb, Wendy, on the compensatory damages piece to to defer by and large to our fellow Americans who sit on juries. And they have heard the evidence as to what the damages were, and that was their judgment, those nine people on the jury. That was their judgment as to what the compensatories were. You combine those, and that was the $83.3 million aggregate verdict, Wendy.
0: KTRS Legal Analyst, Professor Greg Willard of St. Louis University's Law School, the Royal Banks of Missouri text Line. They have a few opinions. Greg will share those with you on the other side of the break. This is the Jennifer and Wendy Show on the Big 550 KTRS. It's 1035 at the Big 550 KTRS on this Monday, the last Monday of January. Can you believe it? January 29th. Professor Greg Willard, our KTRS Legal Analyst, answering some questions about E. Jean Carroll and the award of 83.3, or as you just said, it's 88.3, Greg?
2: When you combine the two lawsuits, Uh, yes, the aggregate is $88.3 million.
0: Okay, uh, the, uh, the judgment against President Trump. Now, President Trump, former President Trump, was prohibited by the judge from testifying about the alleged assault of E. Jean Carroll. Likewise, Trump's attorney was stopped several times by the judge from talking about those allegations. Is that unfair to the former president?
2: If uh, those of our listeners who are supporters of President Trump, they would answer that with a resounding yes. It was definitionally unfair. Unfortunately for those folks, Uh, As we say up in the country, that ain't the law. If you remember from our prior segment, I talked about these two lawsuits. Well, in the first lawsuit that went to trial in May of 2023, the jury concluded as part of that trial that Mr. Trump sexually assaulted Ms. Carroll. And that was in, in the other case that went to trial first in May of 2023. So when this case came to trial earlier this month, one of the elements of her defamation claim was whether President Trump had sexually assaulted her. In the American judicial system, there is a concept known as race judicata or collateral estoppel. It is, I can assure you, Wendy and Connor and our listeners, it is being applied hundreds and hundreds of times across America this morning in other cases. And very simply what it means is, if you have a lawsuit between two parties, and in a prior lawsuit, the issue in the matter about to be tried was already decided in the prior lawsuit, you don't get a do-over. You don't get to relitigate something that a jury has already adjudicated in a prior lawsuit. So what Judge Kaplan, the federal judge who oversaw this case in New York, what he ruled, and I think most would say quite appropriately under the law, is that at this trial, Mr. Trump could not testify as to the underlying sexual assault, and his lawyer could not argue as to the underlying sexual assault because those issues had already been decided by a jury. Now, as I said a moment ago, our listeners who are very supportive of President Trump and skeptical of the judicial system, that that may not sway them. I understand it. I respect their views. But as a baseline proposition in our legal system, this notion of race judicata and collateral estoppel is fundamental. We have had it for decades and decades and decades, and nothing, absolutely nothing, as to the application of those rules to Donald Trump in this litigation was unique or punishing to him in an extraordinary way. The law was applied by Judge Kaplan, uh, and the jury then was left to decide the question, which Judge Kaplan presented to them, what amount of damages should she be given for the former president's defamatory statements, Wendy?
0: And uh, a few of these these questions, Greg, um, Trump has said that he's going to appeal. Does he have to pay the judgment in the meantime? Uh, does mm-hmm. does Trump have to put up as what does he have to put up as a bond to appeal mm-hmm. the decision? I guess that's the same question. Well,
2: great questions, uh, as always, from our texters. And, and let me sort of set up a baseline premise. Um you know, a, a lot of folks, uh, in my, myself included, uh, get uh, – we, we sort of get trump just kind of can't, – can't we just move on from this guy? <laughs> and I get it. Trust me. I get it. In this instance, what I hope our listeners will think about is not the, the specifics of this case, but I want our listeners to, to think about – Um, the various pieces of this case in terms of our civil litigation system in this country, because it's a very, that's, it's a very important thing. Wendy, it's the civil litigation piece of our justice system.
0: I was waiting for the next word. I think we lost him or perhaps, didn't this happen before? And then he comes back. At any rate, we'll take a quick break, and we will try to reestablish contact with Greg Willard. And uh, I know we're all on pins and needles to see where he was going with that. This is the Jennifer and Wendy Show on the Big 550 KTRS. We found him, Professor Greg Willard, KTRS legal analyst, a professor of law at St. Louis University. Um, You were saying, sir—
2: well, I was saying. Yeah, sorry about that. The the string on my tin can, uh, the old Campbell soup can, uh, must have broken. But sometimes I was those hamsters
0: is, need a break, right? On the wheel, they just right. sort of need to take a little rest.
2: What I was saying, Wendy, is that that I know there are many who who are uh, suffering from Trumpitis. That it's just permeates the airwaves, and I get it. But in this instance, I would encourage our listeners to to sort of look beyond the facts of this case and, and think more broadly about our civil justice system because it's very, very important, and we have its counterpart, the criminal justice system. It was the civil justice system, for example, that was the underpinning of the litigation against Mr. Crockey and the Rams and the settlement that was rendered in that case. It was the civil justice system that was behind the uh, civil lawsuit against O.J. Simpson and the judgment against him. So uh, for those who are tuckered out of listening to Trump, Trump, and more Trump, I get it. But this morning I'd I'd like them to think, as I say more broadly, on the civil justice system as to the – collection of judgments that the civil judgment system enters, uh, there's good news and bad news for Mr. Trump. The good news is he doesn't have to pay this all at once. The bad news is that Ms. Carroll, like all plaintiffs who get judgments, um, those plaintiffs uh, aren't stuck for, in this case, probably two years or so. Uh, twiddling their thumbs and hoping that when the appeals are over, uh, a plaintiff can chase them for the money. What Mr. Trump is required to do is he will be required to post a bond. And it's sort of the quid pro quo in civil litigation appeals. The quid is that the judgment defendant can get a stay pending appeal to prevent the plaintiff from seizing the defendant's assets to collect on the judgment that's the quid the quo is that the plaintiff has to put up this bond in an amount equal to the amount of the judgment plus interest plus costs the result is if a judgment is affirmed on appeal, and there has been a stay pending appeal with the bond. All the plaintiff has to do, all Miss Carroll will have to do, is figuratively walk down to the courthouse and cash in the bond. She will not have to uh, spend years and years trying to collect the judgment. So yes. Um, Mr. Trump will not have to pay this eighty-three point three or eighty-eight point three million immediately, but if Ms. Carroll uh, prevails on appeal, uh, she'll get her money one day. Wow.
0: Now, the other cases against him are they impacted by this? Not at all. Okay.
2: There are there are uh, the the four criminal cases uh, that are. Three criminal cases that we have talked about, one in New York, one in D.C., one down in Florida. Those are federal, and nothing about this case affects that. There is a civil case against him brought by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, and we will probably get that verdict From the judge, it was a bench trial, no jury. We'll probably get that uh, decision this week. But to be absolutely clear, Wendy, the jury's verdict last Friday in Ms. Carroll's suit has zero, completely zero effect on these other lawsuits, Wendy.
0: So there you go. You've heard it from the best of the best, Professor Greg Willard, our KTRS legal analyst. Thank you so much. You know that that means, of course, that you can count on a phone call later this week.
2: Great to be with you. And I will uh, get my Campbell soup cams and string at the ready. (laughs)
0: Maybe a new string. (laughs) There you go. Thanks, Greg. It is 1049 at the Big 550. KTRS will turn to ABC News correspondent Jay O'Brien right after this. It's 1051 at the Big 550 KTRS, a Jennifer and Wendy show. Connor McCarthy filling in for Jennifer today. House Republicans Sunday released two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, accusing him of willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law and breach of public trust taking another step toward a historic attempt to remove him from office. Jay O'Brien has the latest from Washington. Jay, thanks so much for making time for us today.
3: Thanks for having me. And you really hit the nail on the head when you said historic, because this has only happened One other time in American history, the only other time that a cabinet secretary has been impeached, and again, there hasn't been a vote yet on Mayorkas, but the Speaker of the House says that's coming, but the only other time that this has happened in American history when it relates to a cabinet secretary was in the 1870s. So uh, there's very little uncharted water in Congress, but this is about as close— as you can get, certainly we haven't seen anything like this in modern American politics.
0: Is there a way in a uh, compressed amount of time to take us back to the beginning of this war between Mayorkas and these Republicans?
3: Absolutely. So this is something that House Republicans have been talking about doing really since they took control of the House in January 2022, but certainly it's ramped up within the last few months, impeaching Mayorkas. This is a priority, for example, of Marjorie Taylor Greens, who had repeatedly gone to the House floor and introduced a resolution to impeach Mayorkas, and every single time it either didn't get a vote or it got pushed aside or things of that nature. So the House Homeland Security Committee, while all that's going on, says it's conducting this widespread investigation into the Biden administration's handling of the southern border. And within that inquiry, they're looking at impeaching Mayorkas, and so, after, you know, a lot of hearings and back and forths with Mayorkas over whether or not he would testify as it relates to this inquiry. He's testified before this committee numerous other times before on other matters, but about the border um, eventually last yesterday, not last night, but yesterday morning uh, that that committee, the Homeland Security Committee in the House, which is led by Republicans, again, releases these articles of impeachment in which you kind of outlined it. But the top line of it is they accuse Mayorkas of not following U.S. immigration law in Homeland Security's approach to the border. Uh, they also accuse him of misleading Congress by saying – that's the breach of public trust part that you mentioned – by saying that the border was, quote-unquote, secure. DHS's response is they say that this is baseless, they say that it's evidence-free, and they say what Republicans are doing are, is you know, taking issue with policy DHS is implementing not any kind of violations of law, as Republicans allege.
0: So this is, obviously, as always, this is sort of the House versus the Senate, because the Senate, uh, in a soon-to-be-released bill, as you mentioned, is going to give DHS even more authority. Is that is that right, Jay, if I'm reading that correctly?
3: In to a pl- kind of a way, yeah. So while the House is impeaching Mayorkas, right, looking like it's going to do that, the Senate— is in talks on a bipartisan border immigration deal that's tied into, remember, future funding for Ukraine and Israel because Republicans said they weren't going to approve that funding without some kind of changes to U.S. immigration policy. So for months as well, Republicans and Democrats in the Senate and kind of this tight group have been locked in these negotiations on what they can all agree on in terms of changes to U.S. immigration law. And we're learning from sources that, Part of those discussions, what appears to have been agreed upon is this thing that would give the Department of Homeland Security the ability to, quote-unquote, shut down the border um, if Border Patrol reaches a a certain capacity when it comes to migrant crossings and encounters. So that's still going on in the Senate. Um, it, It remains to be seen when that gets released, if it will get released. Negotiations are right at the goal line, the negotiators said this weekend. Um, So you might get text of that and a vote in the Senate, but it will be up to the House to put that on the floor for a vote as well. And House Speaker Mike Johnson has been very, very skeptical and, frankly, critical about this deal.
0: This is this is why we say we do not envy you. I mean, there there is so much to to connect the dots here, Jay O'Brien. And we're so grateful to you for taking the time to unpack it, because we didn't even have a moment to get into the uh, political campaign implications uh, when it when it comes to the southern border. So uh, I know that we'll be talking to you again soon, later this week. Take care. Take care. Jay O'Brien from ABC News. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. We'll be back right after ABC News and local news with Jim Fairchild. Don't go away. with me that that music gives me goosebumps there is something profoundly wrong with me because i love football even this time of year when you have football just oozing out of the, every four we've all overdosed but it's still not enough and that is why we've asked sports director brendan Weesey on the big 550 ktrs to join us this morning on the jennifer and wendy show have you had enough football it's never enough is it
4: well we're we're to that point now wendy where we just had the last multiple game day of the football right. season that was yesterday so now all we have left left is the super bowl some would say championship sunday the conference championships are better than the actual super bowl and many years that turns out to be the case yesterday's two games a ton of intrigue ton of big personalities uh, Huge comeback by the 49ers. I think it probably lived up to the expectations where, yeah, what did we have football from about two o'clock in the afternoon through nine <laughs> o'clock at night? And they were. Uh, obviously, the biggest ramifications possible, your ticket to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you were able to listen earlier because you do have a life outside of this place, although I'm not sure how you live it because you're always <laughs> so, so generous with your time, Brendan. But, but Connor and I were talking about the fact that last week he said he thinks that dynasties are boring and that the NFL, and he's not just speaking for himself, obviously, there are a lot of people who feel that way, but that the NFL, kind of actively he didn't say this my words NFL kind of actively you know works to bring other championship quality teams to the table once upon a time dynasties that was the focus that was the goal right I think so I think it's I think
4: it's a good team it's a good thing for all sports if you've got that that unattainable status if you will that so few teams can reach and the Chiefs have basically done that here. What with, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, all he knows is AFC championship games. He's been to the AFC championship every year as a starter with the Chiefs. Now he goes back to the Super Bowl yet again, has a chance to win back to back for the first time since the Patriots did it in their 04 season, has a, a chance to win his third overall Super Bowl. And I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He throws to maybe the best tight end of all time mm-hmm. in Travis Kelsey. And w- w- he's got a hall of fame coach in Andy Reed. This is, this is absolutely a, it's, it's a dynasty. I don't think there's any doubt about it now. And I, I think now ultimately, yeah, you may not like it, but either it gives you something to root for if you're a chiefs fan or as I I mean, I I think the sentiment has really started to build and maybe Taylor Swift has something to do with it. (laughs) I think there are a lot of people rooting against the Chiefs. And uh, and I don't know if it's the only thing that's pumping up the television ratings, but the ratings have just been massive for these Chiefs games. Last week was the highest-rated divisional playoff game of all time. I imagine we'll get the numbers for yesterday's games either sometime today or tomorrow and i fully expect uh probably ratings records again uh for certainly for the chiefs game and probably for that uh, primetime fox game as well they kicked off at five o'clock the viewership numbers just had to be through the
0: roof well the i mean the fact that the chiefs have been underdogs is that safe to say against against baltimore Certainly. Against the Bills, weren't they underdogs against the Bills? Even
4: yeah, yes, they were. And
0: then they're one point underdogs against the Forty Niners. So I are, are they?
1: They opened well, as one point underdogs.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm not yeah. sure
1: where they're at now. Oh, uh, okay, so we'll have some time here for the,
4: the line. I'm sure the the line will certainly shift over the next couple of weeks. That'll be a fascinating aspect to watch in the walk up to the game itself. Is how much the line shifts how much and, and again what what the line essentially means is how uh, the how the, the the Vegas professionals deem uh, how much action comes in on on each set team it's it's not it's not necessarily well the experts think the 49ers are going to win by one point it's the it's the number they can put out there that that they think and by they the the, the folks that set the lines it's the number they believe will get the most betting action by those folks that like to partake in those such things so it we may end up with a complete coin toss uh, it may be a pickem which quite frankly seems like it the would be a would be the, be a pretty good assessment i think both the 49ers and and the chiefs have pretty good arguments to come out winners here in just under 2 weeks
0: and i know that this is going to sound really, really simplistic, but that's sort of my wheelhouse. And I want both of your opinions on this. When it comes to having been there, that playoff experience, there's there's no way to express how important that is. When you have, you know, I, I told Connor, Jim Harbaugh looked sort of despondent in the first quarter, like something was going wrong in the first quarter. And he tried to rally during the halftime, coming off talking to Tracy Wolfson. But there's just—it's hard to go up against a team that is that comfortable at that level. Is that too simplistic?
4: Well, it, when you have the type of experience that the Chiefs have had here, being in this spot every single year, uh, it, it's not—that that doesn't mean you're going to come out on top and win every time. But it certainly allows you. To play with a level of poise that other players in your same spot maybe you know aren't able to do the same. I mean, a lot of those guys on, on Baltimore's team yesterday, tremendous players. Lamar Jackson, a fantastic quarterback, but he has not been in the spot time and time again that Patrick Mahomes has been in and succeeded in. Like Mahomes said, it 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 absolutely means a ton, and I think for uh for for the chiefs and uh and and their team it they can they ju- I mean it, it's not to say you don't get the butterflies it's not to say you don't uh, feel the importance of each and every play but the fact that they've been through it many many times i i, I do think it matters a lot wendy
1: I think the fact they've been through it so many times is why I'm sick of seeing them there. I don't know. I'm just—it's every year now. The Chiefs are there. I got sick of the Patriots, and now I'm, I'm already sick of the Chiefs. I just would like to see someone else win.
0: Nobody has accused the Chiefs though, and Andy Reid. Of well, not yet. Nefarious. Not yet. Oh, don't even. Yeah. Taylor don't.
1: Swift maybe uh, oh, swinging stop. things for them.
0: Well, I heard Brendan um, McGraw and Zach were talking about the possibility that Taylor's political. Um, any kind of political profile that she is keeping or not keeping might have an impact. Who who knows? I mean, who knows? It's it's football. These are first world problems, right?
4: Well, I, Wendy, I saw a number a few days ago thrown out there on the on the value that Taylor Swift has meant monetarily to the NFL since she, since she started showing up in the skybox rooting on Travis Kelsey, which feels like, wow, does it not feel like years ago? But I guess, <laughs> I guess just a couple of months back, she has meant somewhere in the neighborhood of closing in on $400 million on what would be, uh you know, advert in terms of like an advertising budget on what the NFL would want to spend promoting their product. She has meant that to the league in essentially free advertising worth close to $400 million. Wow. Wow. uh, Her her impact is certainly felt. I think it matters. I don't understand. Again, I I get it if it's all in good fun that the Chiefs have become this team. You want to – and Connor is certainly not alone, that you want to see the Chiefs lose and maybe – and maybe Taylor Swift represents that. I don't understand the folks that just get so wound up and worked <laughs> up like it's some sort of federal crime that she's out there doing <laughs> her thing. I, I mean, it's just it's crazy people having fun. Let them have their fun. And, and and maybe the maybe the bell is about to toll here for the Chiefs in a couple of weeks and the 49ers will be. Lombardi bite your tongue. winners. Bite but. your tongue.
0: Fast. Bite your tongue. <laughs> no, well, uh, I, we'll see. I, I don't want to, you know, cast any aspersions here, but somebody else in the studio, and there are only two of us, he just thinks it's a big sham. He he just thinks that it's because of all of the, the benefit to the already fabulously wealthy NFL owners, you know. But I agree with you, Brendan. I think they're two people. I think they are demonstrably in love. I think it was really, really cute yesterday, on the field after the game, where she wasn't Taylor Swift. She was Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, and I thought I just think that's sweet. You know, we can never not love love.
1: I don't know. I still just, <laughs> I'm just not on board. I know. I don't, I know. I don't buy I, it.
4: I don't I think, know. I don't think Connor's conspiracy theory can just be completely swept under the rug here. I if you told me tomorrow that they broke uh, up, right? I don't think I'm. Gonna be shocked and if it, it, and if it is some sort of uh, publicity stunt that's going on now for uh, about the last three months, they've executed it beyond well. I mean, it's it's gone probably exactly according to plan uh, in terms of 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 what she could have brought to the league. I th- I think she's brought. A, I think she's brought unknown number of of new fans, new fans exactly to the sport and and you can't discount that i don't particularly like the way the nfl does business i think martin uh says it best love the sport hate the league yep i'm not an nfl fan per se anymore but i, I you know tip my cap to how they've uh, let this thing go on and i think it's been a a a brilliant brilliant a plan, Marketing, if yeah. if, right, if indeed that's what it is, and even if it's not, and even if they just uh, decided, hey, you know what, they are going out, they are a couple, but let's let's spin it in a way that's good for the league. They've uh, it's it's gone along swimmingly.
0: Well, further evidence, and and this is you know obviously just in a teeny teeny little way, but when you talk about four hundred million dollars in promotion, Julie Buck sent me a link over the weekend because she knows we're chief fans, Chiefs fans and just to uh you know to chiefs apparel and i thought wow i'll bet the just the apparel market alone is is going bonkers well brendan you you're, you're going to have to come in here tonight and hold forth so we'll let you get back to it but brendan uh, brendan weesey ktrs sports director thank you so much for being with us and and we meaning i am still rooting for the chiefs still rooting for the chiefs um this this
4: root um, I'm rooting for a good game at this point it's close Amen. to the fourth quarter we can have fun um with uh, with the Super Bowl but uh, always enjoy being on with you Wendy thank Amen, you Amen brother
0: thank you so much we'll be listening tonight to KTRS sports director Brendan Weesey right here on the Big 550 We'll be back in just a moment
2: Jennifer and Wendy song of the day And
0: I write the song on the Big 550 KTRS And welcome back on this happy Monday, January 29th. I cannot believe it is the end of January. The year already feels like it is flying by. This is the Jennifer and Wendy show. Connor is filling in for Jennifer. Uh, If you are wondering, if you're just joining us, why she is out today, um, three words, or I suppose five words, urgent care, mandolin slicer, thumb. (laughs) I don't know the details she will have to fill us all in on the details. We were not sure if she'll be back tomorrow, but we are we are certainly hoping that she feels better tomorrow. Have you ever done anything even remotely like that?
1: Uh so you know those little plastic Easter eggs? Yeah. And some of them the have What is
0: it? Like you have they're like halved and you put something in it like yeah, a quarter yeah. or candy. And,
1: well, so some of them they sell uh you know with stuff in them and they have a little plastic wrap so you know you're buying, you know, a sealed right. thing. Right. When I was a kid, I had one of those in my hand, and I took one of those huge butcher knives to cut Uh, the thing, and I just and hit hit my thumb.
0: What did they? What happened to your thumb? Did they have to? Did they have to? I don't really remember
1: what happened. I mean, it didn't cut it off. I mean, no, it just cut it. You know, I don't. So you
0: didn't have to go to the emergency room. I don't really remember
1: what happened. I think I was eight or nine. Blacked out. I don't know if I blacked out. (laughs) You used
0: a butcher knife on a tiny little Mm -hmm. Easter egg. Yeah. Well, I wish I could say you should have known better, but I just told you that three years ago... You'd, you'd the avocado. I, yeah, yeah, I almost cut my finger off trying to pull the pit out of an avocado. Okay, our song of the day. In 1971, on this day, George Harrison put on a concert for Bangladesh. Wait a minute, I think it was, yes, it was this day. Um, put on a concert for Bangladesh. Ringo Starr was the only former Beatle to perform both John Lennon and and Paul McCartney worried about the optics of performing with fellow bandmates, and then declined to participate in the in the event. Um, so I apologize to you, music historians out there. It was on this date in 1972, <laughs> the concert for Bangladesh went to number one in the UK. I think that's what I actually said first, right, Connor? Sure. That's what I said. The live triple album, which which captured rather the first major benefit concert. Uh, It was like the first I think it was the first farm aid or live aid uh, type of event. Featured performances by Bob Dylan, Ravi Shankar, Billy Preston, Eric Clapton and the aforementioned Ringo Starr and members of Badfinger. So here is our song of the day. I mean that is one of my. Is George Harrison was I've never asked you this question because you love the Beatles, you were raised on the Beatles. Who's your favorite Beatle?
1: Uh, Paul. And it's funny that this is the song of the day. Something else I did over the weekend besides watch football sounds
0: like molecules
1: because I wasn't feeling very well. Was I watched Get Back the documentary from Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson on Disney Plus? Um, it's quite long. It's about six it's like hours, three days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but. Yeah, it's interesting that it's a George Harrison song. When uh, behind the scenes, he was really kind of the—he
0: was the mm, instigator. The
1: instigator. For, he wanted out. Yeah,
0: yeah. He wanted. Mm-hmm. He was like the little brother who was, or like the middle kid who was sick and tired of seeing the baby and the older person. Like he was, he just wanted out. Right. But weren't you surprised by how, it, you know, we've all been led to believe it was this, this almost operatic level breakup. And it just seemed like it just ran out of steam and they were still friends. I mean, I know that there were the legal and financial wranglings, but it just wasn't, at least on camera, it didn't seem as explosive as everybody thought I think it it just
1: kind of felt like George didn't want to be there anymore, and John seemed to not take it seriously at all anymore, and it was really only Paul and Ringo who were actually showing up every day and playing music, and the other two kind of did not.
0: Yeah, to keep it together. That surprises me because I would have thought that George Harrison was your favorite. I don't know why. Mm. Um, The My Sweet Lord lawsuit on 19 February 1981, the court decided that um, due to, I suppose it was Alan Klein's duplicity in the case, George Harrison would only have to pay the record company $587,000 instead of the $1.6 awarded and would also receive the rights to He's So Fine, a half a million dollars being the amount Klein had paid Bright Tunes for the song in 1978. Um, but the He's So Fine, was that one of, the, I think that might have been one of the first Lawsuits where plagiarism was alleged. Mm -hmm. I
1: think it was because I was also reading into this, which is funny, uh, uh, this lawsuit, because I I don't know why I thought of it when I was watching it. Uh, But yeah, I listened to the song finally, the one that they said he's so fine. Yeah, he's so fine. And it is really, really, really similar. And uh, John Lennon seemed to think in an interview later on that uh, he did knowingly plagiarize it.
0: Knowingly? Oh, yeah. see, I could see where it was like subliminally.
1: But you know, you know, John also said a lot of things later on about his yes, former he, band. Yes, members. he did indeed, uh, and he so, didn't really like George after he. Uh,
0: so he was spilling tea about George. Well, so
1: George released an autobiography that apparently didn't mention John once, uh, and he took offense to that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh
0: my goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: You got to read up on lots it. Of, uh, lots of tea gotta, spilling.
0: Yeah. Lots of tea spilling. Okay. Quote of the day. From E.E. E. Cummings, I love this. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Ha <laughs> ha. Isn't that a good one? That's a good one. That is a good one. E.E. E. Cummings. I will even post that on Facebook on the Jennifer and Wendy Facebook page. It's eleven thirty one, still lots to talk to you about. The Royal Banks of Missouri text line, eight four one two six. We'll be right back. Seven thirty-five at the Big Five Fifty KTRS Carney Show in their dressing rooms, having their tropical fruit plates and their hair and makeup taken care of. So they will be they will be up at the top of the hour, and then Heidi and Josh, everybody in their uh, proper places this afternoon. Mr. McCarthy, uh,
1: they should be okay. As good, far good. as I know.
0: Um, now, just a few and the Royal Bank of Missouri text line. We love all of your comments, and you have given us some doozies today. Uh, From the 314, tell Jennifer to buy a box of finger cots, C-O-T-S, from an office supply store and put one on her thumb. These are the rubber tips that bankers use to count money. Hmm. I wonder if bankers still count the money. I guess they do. I mean, because they, you still have bank, you have the occasional bank tellers. I always like to think of you know, everything new being, oh, you're bringing them up. It looks looks like like
1: little rubber fingers.
0: Maybe that, yeah, I have absolutely no idea about the extent of her injury or, you know, what happened. It just, all I I had to see on my text was mandolin slicer. And I think I kind of, I think I kind of passed out. Um, But before we, before we move on, if you haven't seen the, Peter Jackson production of Get Back or remastering? How would you re- – is it re-digital? Well,
1: I think the original was called Let It Be, I think, and this oh. is like they took the footage back. Oh, and it's, all of the footage, yeah. right? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Um, isn't it amazing how you can see – because it is – did whatever remastered. Mm-hmm. You can see the hair on Paul McCartney's arm.
1: It's extremely HD, and it is it's... a little jarring because uh, you don't expect things from that period right? to be like, that high def.
0: Exactly, and it's like, how did they do? I mean, that was just um, that was amazing that they were able to get it that high high def. It's almost like it's almost like watching a football game. A, a couple of other sort of lingering questions: Do you think that dynasties are boring? Um, or do you, are you rooting for the chiefs? Do you not really care because of the NFL death star, you know, because they're easy not to care about, you know, like as Brendan quoted Martin, you know, love the sport, hate the owners, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's fair. Um, but Jim Befaro, who is a friend of mine, um, and uh, he's been on the air, he's a, he's a writer, he's a former, uh, reporter, and uh, here in St. Louis, he has not watched the NFL once since since the Rams left. Yes, not once. Wow. And he lives in Kansas City now. Can you imagine? He went to a home show over the weekend. He put it on his Facebook page. You could have shot a cannon off in in the wherever the convention center was. I think he it, it said he was in uh, Oakland. What's, what am I, Overland Park. Overland. Yeah, you could, there was not one person at this home show, because who knew when you schedule a home show that um, that the Chiefs are going to be playing in the AFC Championship game, but it's, no, he has not watched one. He has not watched one game, and mm-hmm. I know he stands alone in the wilderness, because a lot of people, like my husband, you know, they're rooting for the Chiefs because of our family. Right. Um, but... Uh, he and he hate watches the rams he'll never he'll never forgive yeah. them but
1: uh and someone pointed out that like the 49ers at one point in the 90s With Bill and Walsh 80s and Montana and were Steve a Young. dynasty but you go back and look at it they made and won five super bowls in 15 years right so that's 15 years and f- that's like five, five over, total
0: spread over 15 the
1: chiefs are already going to their fifth or fourth fourth and five years and they've been in the AFC title game the other two years it's just it's a lot of the chiefs you know
0: okay and then finally we will put we'll put the football talk to bed um but McGraw compares Giselle Bunchen i i think so Bunch, Bunchen Something okay. like that. Giselle Bunchen the supermodel um to Taylor Swift I don't think you can uh, – because he, he said – Sure,
1: famous, you he know. He said, yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You didn't go to – you know, they didn't go to Giselle every time she was in the owner's box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that's Something to that effect. Yeah. But you can't put – you can't – Giselle bunchen Taylor Swift. That is the biggest – I mean, that is an apples and oranges comparison, if ever I heard one. Well, Billions I, of people didn't buy tickets to see Giselle. Walk down the catwalk. I mean, she was a very successful businesswoman, a very successful model. But Taylor Swift is is she's in a, a league of her own. Uh, from the six one five, I'm still mad about the football Cardinals leaving leaving St Louis. Um, from the three one four, it's the Holy Grail of Beatles stuff. I think that is. I guess is that the footage from. I think that's
1: what they're talking about, I and do it, it really is. It really is.
0: Um, and if you missed the if you missed the first part of of the program, I was my day late and a dollar short. Movie review. Um, my husband and and our oldest daughter and we we watched Oppenheimer. Finally got around to it and just loved it. So if if you have any insights or just thoughts about about the production, because I don't know anything about Christopher Nolan, he. He did Dark Knight, Dark Knight, also whatever. So you, also. you're
1: not a big fan of his other I don't know. Movies. I mean, I
0: don't know. I know he did the Inception. Inception. Didn't see that uh, one.
1: Interstellar.
0: Interstellar. Didn't see that I one. That was with
1: Matthew McConaughey as well.
0: Oh, uh, wait a minute. I did see that one. Mm-hmm. I did see that one, but it's been a, it's been a minute. Well, that one's he, really- That was awesome. That
1: one's very science fiction But that was awesome. But I like that one. Yeah, that
0: was really, really yeah. good. Um, But- I just it just it boggles the mind to think of in terms of like pre-production and all of those things how does Christopher Nolan and his wife and partner Emma Thomas or it's it's not Emma Thompson right. it's Emma I think it's like Emma Thomas but um how how do you even approach something like the atomic weapons era i, I just how, how would you even approach how would, how would you even approach that i don't know that's it i guess, a, I guess yeah. that's
1: why he's the uh that's the why filmmaker, he's um, yeah, that's why
0: he's gonna win an oscar yeah <laughs> uh,
1: and it is emma thomas that's um, his wife's name
0: wow i can't believe i remembered that watch part of oppenheimer but i fell asleep and that's i get i get that i mean it's long i just really thought the performances were out of this world from the 314 regarding taylor and travis Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe did this already. That is a brilliant, brilliant statement, and you are absolutely right. There was just no Mr. Coffee Machine. Um, From the 573, I think that's uh, Mary Lynn. I think you are right. It was adorable to watch her last night. Say to Travis, I'm going to go sit over here with your mom and dad. You go have fun. Very interesting to watch her not be the main attraction. She gracefully bowed out and let him have his fun. I do think they are in love. Do you think women just love love too much? Um, Don't think. Just answer.
1: Well, I think I think you I think you guys that all believe
0: it love love a little too much. Okay. Yeah, I see. Man, um, man or woman? From the three one four years ago, I needed. Oh, I hate the way this sounds. I needed to reattach a heavy spring on a hide a bed. My brain cells were not working. Oh no, needle nose pliers slipped mm. hit my chin instead four to five stitches four to five stitches uh from the 314 um wendy what's the name of the beatles documentary you you and connor were talking about get back it's
1: called get back and it's on uh disney plus
0: and peter jackson and it and is
1: you gotta be prepared well you could break them up really there's yeah. three segments and they're each like two and a half hours
0: um tell me when we need to break because you're the babysitter. We can, we can take a break. Okay. Now. All right. We will take a we'll take a break. Um oh my goodness, four to five stitches with a needle nose pliers. Oh. Um is Oppenheimer reminiscent to Schindler's List? I did not see Schindler's List because I don't do well with Holocaust um movies after Sophie's choice. Um I don't think so. Do you think No, that? I
1: would not say. It. Yeah, I wouldn't I would not put it, it, it in the
0: same same category. Um, all right, we'll take a quick break. Babysitter says it's time for a timeout. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. I got my on. this time I know it's real. The real You want to know how to keep your marriage, like, really hot and spicy after 37 years? Send your wife um, romantic stories, like like the one my husband Just sent me. Are you ready for this? There will be bugs. Two broods of cicadas may reach St. Louis at one time. This summer. He wanted me to have that.
1: Well, this is the year, right? This is a big cicada year.
0: First comes the leap year. I like to refer to him as the lawn man because if I tried to mow the lawn, I'd cut off all ten toes. Um, First comes the leap year this February 29th, and happy anniversary, happy birthday to all of you celebrating once every four years. Then there's the solar eclipse April 8th, and then, as if 2024 weren't packing in enough oddities, come the cicadas. This is from stltoday.com. This spring, two broods – what does that mean? Like the Hatfields and McCoys or like – is this like a pod? As I
1: understand it, like cicadas stay underground for 17 years. Right. So like the different – they don't like mingle, right? So if they come up this year, it's all the same brood. And then they'll go – they'll lay eggs and then 17 years from now, we'll get the same same cycle. Do
0: you you see why I say – were you able to just – I don't I don't know like about that. It. when you were 26. It's, I was. They all come in
1: cycles. Right. Okay. That's what it is. Right? All
0: right. Well, this spring, two of the broods, of whatever Connor just said, of the noisy red eyed bugs are set to rise from the ground <laughs> across the Midwest and perhaps around the St. Louis region. The same two broods haven't shown up in the same year since 1803 when Thomas Jefferson and Napoleon, Napoleon, as you and Jennifer would say, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, struck the Louisiana Purchase, something straight out of a movie, according to a horticultural specialist and entomologist from University of Missouri Extension, also known as Dr. Bug in her column, uh, straight out of a movie about aliens. Um, so, in other words, it looks like it's going to be really noisy, right? I think I mean, so. Right? It, just, it should be because a couple of times it's been like when they're out and doing their thing, it's like so noisy. Like if you're sitting outside, you can't even hear the person.
1: Well, I think that I think that's how it works, right? Like some of them are bigger than others
0: right right one of the so this so is the big, this brood, is the big one this is, is like a super brood yeah this is okay. the big one um this is the first time in 221 years that, yes both cicadas will bloom simultaneously yuck okay thank you from that was from the 618 from the 314 i remember the hatching the last time because we had thousands here especially under our big oak tree it was gross what is gross about it i guess i don't understand what do they do
1: Well, they all just kind of die right there, right, or molt or whatever it is. So you
0: see dead bugs all over the place?
1: Yeah, have you not? I think so, right, if it's big enough?
0: I only think about just the sound that they make. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: you'll see them, yeah, if it's big enough, yeah.
0: Because one noisy and annoying thing always recognizes something else that is Mm -hmm. noisy and annoying. Sure. Um, Carrot Cake Liz says, leap year, solar eclipse, presidential election, now two swarms of cicadas, I believe... She says, I believe I saw all of this in the Ten Commandments. That is that is true. That is true, Carrot King, Liz, how how right you are. Hey, before we run out of time, yeah. okay, sorry, from the 314, yes, they die and they stink to high heaven. They stink? I never knew there was a smell that came with them.
1: I guess that makes sense, right? A if you have thousands of carcass, dead, bugs dead bugs on the ground. You know.
0: Oh, ooh, from the 314. I remember the dogs liked the taste of them the last time. Well, bon appetit, Fido. There you go. Bon appetit. Um, is it Bon Appetit or Bon Appetit?
1: I think it's the second one, if I remember.
0: You mean the latter my, rather than the former?
1: My French Quest.
0: Yeah. Bon Appetit. Yeah. I can never tell when Julia Child, and by the way, I don't think anybody watched the second season of the Julia Child, whatever it was, mm-hmm. on. Max well, or I, HBO I don't even think I watched or, the first. Um, I have to tell you, has anybody else in the time that we have left, and we don't have much time left, did anybody watch Griselda on Netflix? I did not. Did you see it? No. The one with um, Sofia Vergara of Modern Family.
1: Oh, is this the one Wearing where she the prosthetic? is no, the, she's a drug the drug dealer? Yeah. The, right. Mm-hmm. She's the, the guy. The family of the real-life person didn't like her making this, I think. Right, I saw I, that story.
0: Right, I didn't look. I, I didn't look into the lawsuit. Um, what is really interesting is that she is a universally. I mean, even aliens from other galaxies would acknowledge that Sophia Vergara is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. I've never heard anybody say that she's not. She's absolutely beautiful, but. If you look, if you look like Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy, looks a lot like Robert Oppenheimer, a mm-hmm. great deal like Robert Oppenheimer in his youthful stage, and then as they made him up as an older man, she looks nothing like Griselda Blanco, who is, which is fine. That's what acting is all about, right? But um, she wore a lot of makeup, but you can still tell. Yeah, I, okay, from the 314 I watched Griselda. I have enjoyed it so far. It is pretty well done. I just I think once you love somebody the way the world loved Gloria Pritchett as, as she was so so good in that program in, in Modern Family in that show. I love her no matter what. I mean, Mm -hmm. no matter what, even when she's a homicidal drug dealer, I still, I still love her. Which so she
1: doesn't look like her, but is it worth watching? Is it good?
0: I think it is. It's, it's a, it's, it's kind of you know. I mean, it's violent. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your basic drug deal explosions and drug war You'd
1: expect to be have some violence.
0: Oh yeah, there's a, there's a. A scene where heads are removed from torsos. and I mean, you don't see that part, but you just see the end result. So that's not very appetizing. Mm -hmm. It's not something you want to watch with the children around. Sure. But it's just pretty much harmless fun. But it is kind of neat to see her playing a ruthless drug lord because they open with a quote from Pablo Escobar in which he says, the only man I have ever feared was a woman named Griselda. Blanco. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> From the 314, I'm already afraid of her. Uh, and then did you, so you didn't, you were footballing and you were sick, so mm-hmm. you didn't watch True Detective yet.
1: I have not watched it yet. Okay. So. I should have, but I, I didn't. No.
0: Yeah. Well, you would have to stay up late. Yeah. I watched the first episode last night. I'm apprehensive. Oh, sorry. This was in two parts. Um, apprehensive because I think I'm already afraid of her. Yes, be very afraid. They
1: really do have her in a lot of right prosthetics and makeup, and
0: and yeah. they so they've tried to change her looks so that she mm-hmm. looks more like the woman. Right. It still doesn't work because it's, she's a stunning beauty. Sure. That's sure. sort of like the that's the bottom line.
1: Although she does look, I don't know if I'd recognize her if you just gave me this picture and said, "Who is this?" I, you know, who is yeah, that, who nose, is this actor?
0: The nose and the teeth. And she was, uh, she was on Kelly Clarkson's talk show and Kelly Clarkson said something like, I still know it's you. And uh, Sofia Vergara was, you know, not having it. She said, I spent like eight hours a day in the makeup <laughs> chair uh, to, to look like that. But I think the real Griselda is actually sort of petite.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, they have this p- actual picture of her next to it and yeah they don't look very similar no no
0: yeah, they don't they don't so and that, there's only
1: so much you can do with makeup and, yeah
0: yeah and teeth and teeth flippers right. yeah that kind of thing um well thank you so very much for keeping us company today as we said uh, we're hoping Jennifer will be back tomorrow after her unfortunate incident with a mandolin slicer details to come have a great afternoon I'm so glad we had this time.